You're listening to the Westminster Canterbury Tales podcast, creating community to foster joy and well-being. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to Leadership Podcast Series. I am Elizabeth Hines, and I would like to be your host for this Leadership Series. And I would like to welcome to our listening audience, Joan Punch, President at Senior Options, LLC, and President at Westminster Canterbury at Home, LLC. Welcome, Joan. Thank you, Elizabeth. I'm so glad to be here. In this series, we will be discussing strategies and principles in building a strong foundation. But before we dive in to our discussion, let's start with a simple icebreaker. Joan, can you provide one thing on your bucket list that you're eager to check off with? Only one thing. Uh, So, yeah, I have a few, and most of them really involve being able to see something. So I'm hoping to get a Viking cruise, Mediterranean, European river cruise. I'm hoping to be able to do that soon. And I really weirdly want to see lavender fields in the south of France. I just wow. seeing all of that pretty purple, just it, something I'd really love to see. I would like to see that too. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay, can you give us a brief recap regarding your background and your career journey that brought you here? Sure, sure. So I am a nurse by education, and I've been a nurse for longer than I would probably want to admit to on this little broadcast. So I've been a nurse for a very long time, did critical care nursing for quite a few years, and then decided to do travel nursing. So I was able to go to a few different places. Hawaii being one of them, and work there. Then after I got back from that, it's the oddest thing. I kind of got a calling to doing home health care and providing that level of skilled care clinically uh, in that environment. So I started to do that. And very quickly in that process, I just started to be put in leadership for various home and community-based services business lines. I'm from Cincinnati. I worked for a lot of years in Ohio in another life plan community system in the state of Ohio and helped start and manage a lot of home and community-based services, specifically home health and hospice, and a few other ones as well. And then I got my master's, and um, my master's is in organizational development and positive change management. And from there, I did a lot of consulting. So I traveled a lot for other home health and hospice agencies across the country. So I did a lot of consulting work with that and then kind of landed oddly back here. So I, um, there are a few other places in between, but the group that I worked with in Ohio had kind of relocated here and worked here for Westminster Canterbury. And they asked me to come along. So four years ago, almost to the date, uh, I think it's like the 10th of February or something, I have been here. Wow, what a uh, journey, 360 degree, and brought you right back to us. And you're well equipped to be here in these positions, I see, and this podcast series too, a strong foundation. Mm -hmm. And John C. Maxwell book, he has a book called 
the different maker. Mm-hmm. And it's about making a difference. And he writes that the attitude is a primary component in determining success. And he also explained that attitude is the difference in how we approach and deal with relationships and challenges. And my questions to you in your journey and who you are today, how do you perceive yourself as a different maker? Well, so specifically in the role that I have here, and not just myself, but with my entire team, Senior Options is a nationally based company, and we go out to other life plan communities, leading age, not-for-profit life plan communities across the country, and help them initiate home health or hospice or home care for that matter, or um, help them improve their already active agencies that they may have. So I like to think, and I know we do, kind of the what is my why and what we, what I do, and I know as I've had a lot of dialogue with my team about, you know, what's our why, what's our purpose, is we're able to take that expertise for providing clinical services in that environment, which is different, home health and hospice, uh, that's primarily done in the home, which is a pretty unique, has its own unique set of challenges and um, opportunities. We provide that expertise to other communities across the country and help them expand their own mission and serve people at home. So the difference I hope we make the difference I feel pretty confident that we do is we help those communities provide excellent care to their patients in their home. So we all know, well, or maybe we don't, but most of us know, if you had a choice between uh, recuperating in the hospital or recuperating at home, where are you going to want to be, right? Home is really where most people want to be. And since COVID, it only has kind of magnified that idea of home as a safe environment to be able to provide a lot of care. People don't always want to be in a doctor's office or any congregate setting where they could potentially get sick. So it has helped magnify and raise the spotlight again on what kind of services can be provided in patients' homes or residents' homes, as the case may be. And I'm glad that we're able to help support that, I think it's a difference. I think it's unique. Uh, The communities that we uh, support in doing it, they don't have that expertise in the kind of services that we do, nor could they really, in a startup, be able to afford the kind of talent that senior options can create and bring to them. So I feel really humbled and honored that the work that we do, I know cascades down to the care of those patients in those homes. And those patients are well cared for and they're where they wanna be. So I think it's a really great why for all of us. Yes, that's very well said too. And the passion that goes in it and the integrity that backs it up says a lot too. Mm -hmm. You being who you are, and the ethics that goes with it as well. Uh, I commend you on being that person 
that carries that role. Oh, thanks, Elizabeth. That's sweet of you. Yes, yes, because it's, it's who you are in the series, uh, Strong Foundation. You amplifying the foundation is that the company is bringing, and you're doing it well. Well, thank you. And really, I don't do it in a silo. I have an excellent team of very committed individuals who really aspire to do well with all of us holding that same why and wanting to be the best at what we do. I don't do it alone. I have a great team. Good. And a strong team says it all too Mm -hmm. as well. I commend the team as well. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) And moving forth in leadership development, what inspired you to take on these various leadership roles? It's an interesting question. I kind of backed into leadership. It wasn't a goal. It wasn't my ambition necessarily to grow in those positions, but I kept naturally popping into them. So wherever I was, fortunately for me, I think some of the skills that I have in problem solving and such really just kind of lent myself to that position or a a position of leadership earlier in my career because I was a clinician for many years and I thought I was a good clinician and I really thought that was my that was my place and that that was my calling and I really uh, not struggled but you know toyed with for a lot of years do I really want to take this step do I really want to fully engage in leadership and leadership development and all of what leadership implies Or do I really need to stay in my clinical lane? And it just really, uh, you know, I think a lot of times these things divinely come your way and the path is laid out in front of you. And I, I feel like that was my directed path. So I knew I wanted to get my master's. I had a bachelor's in nursing. I was trying to decide what my master's was going to be. And I just kind of dove in the master's that I got in organizational development and change management, as I mentioned, we spent a lot of time analyzing leadership and understanding various aspects of it. And that's exactly why I I did it. I think if I was going to do, if I was going to stay in this lane, that I wanted to understand it better, make sure that I did it well. And so it just, then once you kind of crack that door, it gets kicked open for you, so. Yes, it does. Yes. It's just divinely open. Because you've seen your path up until now, where do you see it in the, the next three to five years? Um, three to five years, I think I'm still going to be doing this kind of work. I just hope to be doing it for more people, for more communities, serving more patients. Yeah, I don't, I hope you know, if all aligns and I can continue to do that, that would be my goal. Good, good. Okay, and leadership best practices and guiding principles. Can you give me and the listening audience some of your foundation principles and building a strong foundation? Sure. So I think when you talk about building a foundation and you talk about building a team, to accomplish what you want. I think, in my mind, the most important element of that is trust. And first of all, trusting the organization that you work for, 
um, and I've always gravitated towards not-for-profit, often faith-based, interestingly enough, not quite as much by design, but it just really kind of always came that way. And one of the reasons that I came here to Westminster Canterbury as well, and trusting in an organization of integrity so that I can then foster and create, uh, well, I already had a team, but um, support a team in my integrity and the integrity of the work that I know my company wants and I'm comfortable with and the level of work and integrity for the work that I wanted to be able to do. So I think you, you have to work for a company that you feel like you can get behind. And then there's, you know, trust on many levels. So trusting myself, building trust within my team, building trust amongst your stakeholders. I think all of that is important and certainly has been important in my journey here. And there are so many things that um, contribute to trust. I know there's a great book by Stephen Covey out there called The Speed of Trust, which is a whole book about various aspects of it and what happens when trust is broken and, and how do you recover. Um, being transparent, making sure that uh, you're creating that space where all of those, uh, be it people that I answer to or, you know, to our board, to the level of my team and to our stakeholders as well, is that there's a level of trust where you can have dialogue about whatever it is that you need to discuss. So I think first and foremost, trust is paramount for building a great foundation. I think it's important to set a clear vision for what it is that you want to accomplish. Again, investigating your why uh, collectively with your team as you build a strategic plan. Where are you going? What do you want to do? And what do we need to accomplish in a short amount of time or in, a sh in any increment of time, really? So setting that vision, not only um, from a mission perspective, which of course is important in making sure that we understand the mission and values of who we are, but you know, strategically setting that vision as well, I think is, well, we know is really important to build a foundation for an organization. I think then supporting the culture, the culture that you want, which you know, it's easy to say you want a positive culture and, you know, kind of what does that mean? But, and every culture is a little bit different, but you want to support um, the culture. Again, if you're working for a company that you believe in and that you feel has the values that you do, you know what values you want to bring forward for your own employees as well as for the people you serve. So um, maintaining that culture, sort of engaging with heart, and, you know, we're, at the end of the day, we're caring for people who need health care. So um, there's a lot of heart that has to happen with that. And you need to keep that in mind. You know, I think when you talk about culture, you know, and I'm really not talking about culture today, but maintaining your culture, maintaining a level of respect, inclusiveness with your team, uh, value, making sure that your team feel valued. Um, I think too, you know, there's a, and forgive me, the author of this is escaping me for the moment, but modeling the way. Uh, I think we all need to do that. 
and people watch you and and how you conduct yourself and how you treat others so leading by example in that regard and modeling the way it goes a long way with what you are creating and what the basis of that of that is and just investing in your team and making sure that they have what they need they have the training they need they have the the support from me that they need and you know we keep our why in mind I like to uh, reflect on modern the way because mm-hmm. that's that's one of my big pet peeves. You lead by example, mm-hmm. and when you can trust your leader, and you know your leader trusts you, it builds that relationship that you need in both parties, mm-hmm. and then the company value here: respect, passion, and professionalism. Mm-hmm. That resonate through my spirit and that's why I'm still here and the reason why I'm still here because I feel like you that my work has not involved to the fullest and so I wait to doors of opportunities to open so that I can be more value mm-hmm. to the company Good for you and so in modern the way it builds you up so you can be the best that you can be in every aspect. Well, good for you, Elizabeth. You should be doing this on this end of the podcast. <laughs> Thank we should you. be asking you these questions. <laughs> okay, uh, and going back to our practice and guiding principles, risk management. Risk management? Because sometimes you have to take risks in what you need to do and how you do it. The company is going into this new hospice home can, oh, the hospice house. That's so exciting. Yes. Can you just elaborate on, on your role there? The hospice house? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm kind of a little peripheral to the hospice house. Dr. Tori Crenshaw is taking the lead in doing all of what is entailed to get that hospice house up and running. Senior Options is supporting that effort. So as we go out across the country and support other communities that have a startup to the like of that were supporting the hospice house. So I'm kind of a, they're kind of a customer of mine, if you will. So we're kind of uh, in the background working on just kind of the infrastructure, the uh, regulations and licensure and all of the things that are required by the state for Medicare to be able to bill Medicare for some services. That's in part my role is to support that effort. The Westminster Canterbury at Home Hospice team will help support the actual operation of the hospice house. So as you probably know, it's Dr. Tori Crenshaw is creating this great 12-bed unit along with the, the community board that envisioned the creation of Hospice House of Hampton Roads. And then our hospice clinicians that, uh, so we already have a well-established hospice, uh, Westminster Canterbury at Home Hospice, we're going to help drive the operation, right? Taking care of those patients and uh, all that that kind of entails. So this has been a uh, quite a collaborative effort, and uh, we are just so excited and proud to be able to provide such a service for a needed service yes. uh, here in our community. Yes. So it's just a nice opportunity to serve. Yes, it is. I'm in agreement with that. Uh, and explaining to our listening audience, the leaders that are out there listening to us, 
what can you share with them in giving them some advice in building a strong foundation? Well, I, I think a lot of what we've discussed in terms of making sure that your team understands the vision of what you're creating and the people who are joining your team understand and have the same values uh, as far as that's concerned, making sure that people are trusting, you know, you're creating that culture of trust. I think those are important in building the foundation. I think from a leadership perspective, individually, I think the best way I would describe that is, um, and I, when I got my master's, I, I got a certification in emotional intelligence as well. And leading with emotional intelligence has been kind of a, for me, a constant journey. Uh, I'm always learning. I, I, there's, you know, people ask about, you know, what, what have you learned about leadership? Well, I'm still learning and I hope I always will be. I never am going to know everything, but I think leading with emotional intelligence helps foster the things that you want to create in a good foundation. So the elements of self-awareness, you know, and this is very personal, right? My own self-awareness, knowing what my strengths are, knowing what my triggers are, knowing where I need to build a team to help support what may not be my strength, to complement my strengths. I think that element of self-awareness is important. Self-regulation as well. I think, you know, when it comes to emotional intelligence and self-regulation, there's a, a level of maturity that um, over time, hopefully, hopefully I get. I, I'm not perfect at it, but when it comes to self-regulation is, you know, maintaining that calm, professional, trustworthy presence, no matter how triggered or how I feel, right? So being aware so that I can regulate and present in an approachable way, whatever I need to do. Conducting, I think leaders who conduct themselves with empathy, it's important. Uh, yeah, even in challenging circumstances or um, circumstances that would not be ideal where you might be delivering a less than happy message you can do with empathy and you can do respectfully so i think again over time that's something it's a skill you hone so i think emotional intelligence is at least for me been helpful in helping then to carry forward those elements of a foundation that we've talked about wow that's awesome i agree with you with that and it was very um knowledgeable in you sharing that and I hope that the leaders that are listening to this podcast will gravitate to what was acknowledged in well, this session it's it's constant you're always learning and you make mistakes and you hit your bumps and you get back up and you know you're at it the next day so so in closing would you like to just leave a little remark to bring it all into a one little cap. So what can I say to be impactful and close? I just, you know, a couple things I think I would say. So when it comes to leadership and, you know, getting yourself in line to be the best leader you can be, allowing yourself to be open to great to feedback, whether you like the feedback or not, allowing yourself to be open for feedback and being able to accept feedback 
even positive feedback. Now, some people are really not good at accepting positive feedback. Nobody likes negative feedback, but if you want to do well, then you want to be open to what people perceive you to be or how they receive you. So leaving that feedback loop open with the people that you work with, I think is important. You know, one of my favorite books for new leaders is The Four Agreements. It's such a simple book. And to me anyway, the most impactful agreement that's in that book is to not take things personally and to recognize you know, in the realm of emotional intelligence, you know, recognize when you're getting feedback that you don't take it personally, that you're taking it at face value and you take what you need and you ignore the rest and not, how do I say this, not go overboard in um, how maybe you've received that. So it's a constant, uh, especially for new leaders, to explain to them that when someone is hurt or upset or a patient, for that matter, is hurt or upset, it, it may not really be about you, that you have to have the wherewithal and the mindset to be centered and be present with what's happening rather than getting lost in your own stuff um, and taking that personally. So I say all that to say, I think being open to resources to learn and always being open to learn and being open to feedback for what's working and what's not, I think it's just the, the constant learning and the forever journey you're on for as long as you're on it. Wow. Thank you. That was very well said. I just want to thank everybody who was listening to this podcast for Ms. Joan Punch being here today and giving us strong foundation. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Westminster Canterbury Tales podcast. Thank you for listening. 